You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. How's it going, everyone? We hope you are all staying healthy and happy and safe now that everyone is able to go out and about. But before we get into any of the fun details of everything that is going on with the Coyotes in the NHL, let me introduce my amazing co-host as always. How you doing, Richie? Hello, Corey. Uh, prior to our recording of the show, I was telling you that I was watching Super Bowl 36, which was between the Patriots and the Rams. And uh, so I had to discontinue watching it so I wasn't going to get distracted um, during the podcast. Um, And for those of you that don't know, Super Bowl 36 was Tom Brady's first Super Bowl win. And he was playing the St. Louis Rams of the time, who – obviously are my favorite team. So like I grew up watching Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. And so I was like, Oh man, it's kind of cool to like watch those guys again. Um, they would end up obviously losing that Super Bowl, So it's a little sad. So I had to turn that off during the, during our show here. I did. Something did occur to me because I was talking to you about it and I was saying, wouldn't that be weird? Like if, you know, Tom Brady, but his last Super Bowl that he won was his last one, then he would have beat the Rams in the um, first, in his first Super Bowl win and in his last, which would be cool. But the thing that, which I mean, even though it sucks for you, the thing you have to look at in all of this is think about who you were like as a little kid watching that and wanting to, you know, one day be able to go and watch your team in the Super Bowl and you were able to do that. You were able to go and watch your team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, that was pretty awesome. But I, like I said it some time too, it's like, I think we didn't talk about our show, which is like, my team lost, obviously, but I would do it again in a heartbeat, like 110%. Like it's one of the coolest experiences of, uh, of my life and uh, I want to do it again I want to go back to another Super Bowl I love the city of Atlanta uh, Tom Brady walked within like reaching distance of me um, which was awesome um, but yeah so it's kind of like you said it's kind of weird that like Tom Brady bookends his career with the Patriots basically you know winning against the Rams in his first Super Bowl and then winning against the Rams in his last Super Bowl with the, with the Patriots some things just end up being cooler in real life than they are that you can never write them, you know? And that's one of the cool things. And it's super cool, too, that you got to experience that. And the fact that you 
grew up watching that game and then the next time that happened you got to be there for it is something really cool and the fact that you got to be that close to Tom Brady I would have like grabbed him and been like tell me how you don't age I want to know how you don't age yeah yeah he, what do we what do we figure out we uh we figured out that he was what 20 he's 40, 42 now and that was 18 years ago, so he's like 24. He's like a baby. That, that's the thing, though. And think about how little he has given up as like a player, as a person in general, over all of those years. He has only gotten better, which is crazy. I mean, obviously now his arm is starting to get to the point where it's getting fatigued. Like, you can only your body can only handle playing that much football for so long but I mean he has been insanely good the entire time and there are certain people who have this Benjamin Button effect where they essentially like age backwards and he is one of those people and I don't know how they do it I know there's been all these like talks about like his dietary habits and all this stuff but you have to have more help than just your body like regimens when and I say that in like workouts eating vitamins all the type of stuff you can do that and you can stay there's plenty of people that I know that are in really good shape and they always look young but like the fact that he is able to put up with such an abusive game and be able to stay so dominant really proves kind of how great he is it's kind of like a Zidane Chara I always feel like Chara is some man beast who is able to stay in this great shape and is able to stay in the NHL and is aging super gracefully. Like his play may have not stayed as good throughout all of it, but like he himself is still in pretty stable standings in the NHL and to aging the way he is, is insane. Yeah. And this, this particular Super Bowl, Super Bowl 36, was pre um pre tb12 that is like a whole another thing too like the fact what he has made everything like completely his entire life turning it between him being married to a gorgeous supermodel who makes more money than he does and then having your entire company and having like he has like full-blown like stores and stuff now like his brand has gotten so insanely massive throughout the process of this if you were to define success that man is extraordinarily successful and that is from like it doesn't really matter what you think of him as a person he is incredibly successful both on and off the field and I think that is the only thing you could ever imagine to come out of your uh, athletic career in any shape or form. Yeah, I don't know if you were able to catch any, catch any of it or not, but he did like a two-hour-long interview with Howard Stern recently. I think it was last month. And that was the most like open I've ever heard Tom Brady because a lot of times he'll come off as very, you know, not, not boring by any means, but very polished and very, you know, um, 
somebody who's very conscientious of his his public persona. But when he did the interview with Howard Stern, it was interesting because he was talking about how he struggled in his marriage at times to Giselle. And he was saying, like, I had to, and he was saying this was as recently as maybe three or four years ago. It was like, there were times when I had to like look at myself in the mirror and go, this isn't working. I need to change things. And just to hear him talk about his life outside of the football field was really interesting. And that, and I've always enjoyed Tom Brady as a player. Um, and, you know, he, he gets – he was very much derided for his relationship with Donald Trump, which take it or leave it, obviously. But um, I came – he came off in the interview with Howard Stern more likable than he's ever been. Yeah, he he is very much aware of the fact that um, he is his he is his brand. Like there, if some he takes a tank as a person, then it takes a tank not only like back when he was with the Patriots, but like it would take a tank for the Patriots and it would take a tank for all of his own businesses and everything he does. He so when you do have the pressure, I guess, of having that kind of spotless reputation. And you, I think, are constantly conscious of what you are saying, how you're coming off. And um, I think with him, especially, he just had gotten so much into that groove where he had been so used to knowing what to say, when to say it, and, you know, what lines not to cross. Um, I mean, and, and that's the other thing, too, is the whole Donald Trump thing, it, it obviously... Um, some of us included, um, you know, I'm trying not to get it very po political here, um, didn't particularly like that. But then the people who were fans of him still supported being fans of him. Like, I am still a big Tom Brady fan. Like, I love Tom Brady. I think he is hilarious. I think in his own way, he's very, uh, he's very dry in humor. He definitely has that um, spicy side of him. Like, I watch that video of him and Gronk where they're playing bad boys for life and uh, the background of it. Like, that thoroughly enjoy. Like, I enjoy that video so much because it's so petty that it's so much fun. I think he started to loosen up towards the end of his career with the Patriots because he had that comfort there and the fact that he had made that legacy and then he had come back from such um I guess a controversy as the whole thing with um Trump in that election that I think that is when he finally started showing his colors but yeah you are correct he doesn't really show those very often so when he does it's really interesting to deep dive in deep dive deep in I cannot speak I'm so sorry um but the thing is in the end he will always, I think, be a little bit cautious because no matter what, the more popular you get and the more famous you get, the more problems that come with it and, the, you know, the, the more money, more problems type of additive and the fact that, like, the more that you draw attention to yourself, the more people want to pick at you. And if there's anything that's taught us that, that new, the, the new MJ, um, documentary definitely I was just that. about to I was just about to bring that up I'm glad you brought that up because that's the perfect example 
Tom Brady and Michael Jordan are cut from the same cloth. They really are. Yeah, it's like how for how long did he have a super spotless reputation or no one really questioned his motives to moving into so many rumors about his gambling that even brought it into the fact of when his dad when his dad was murdered that they brought it into that situation which is horrific you know people trying to find problems with people because um i mean we're all flawed no matter what um whether it's in the media or not everyone is flawed in their own way and they have their own struggles and when you are that busy and you're traveling all the time like he wasn't the like greatest father to his children and like he had to deal with a lot of his own demons um because of the fact that he was traveling and you know as you can see from the documentary he literally couldn't walk out the door without people mobbing him so i think the fact that they have to dig into a lot of those things on those players in order to find something to make them more human i think is a little bit ridiculous in the fact that you know everyone's human he was a dick to a lot of his players on his team he wasn't perfect just like everyone else um so those but trying to hold that type of reputation is exhausting yeah for sure um and to wrap, wrap up the tom brady conversation again we, we're talking about this because um the super bowl 36 was on my tv moments ago before i turned it off so i didn't Again. Uh, I'm super excited for Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and Bruce Arians together in Tampa Bay. Like, I don't know exactly how they're going to do this season. I expect them to make the playoffs because they were a – last year the Buccaneers were – I believe they were 8-8 eight and eight last year with Jameis Winston as their quarterback. And, uh, and I imagine with Tom Brady at the helm of that, that team – They'll they'll find a way to sneak themselves into the playoffs somehow, some way, and they're going to be one of the most fascinating teams to watch this year. So even though it's definitely going to be weird, I think more so for you than for me to see Tom Brady in a uniform other than the Patriots. Yeah, that'll be strange. It'll be really weird. It'll take some, maybe not growing pains, but it'll it'll take some time. Yeah, for yeah. Of, for those of you out there that don't know, my, my boyfriend's a big Patriots fan, big Tom Brady fan. So he'll he'll still be like rooting for Tom Brady no matter what, but he'll still be a Patriots fan. And uh, quickly, I have a quick rant. Can I do a quick rant? Of course. Before, we move, before you move on to some hockey stuff in the Coyotes news of the week. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw them or not, Corey, but the my LA Rams released their new uniforms this week. After they released their new logo, I have been trying to pay very little attention to anything that has to do with their ability to graphic design, and I apologize in advance. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And um, New New Jersey's released this week, and they're god-awful. I cannot tell you how angry it made me when they released their uniforms. I believe it was on Wednesday. How angry I got about it. I was, like, steaming all day because – I thought their jerseys were good. They were like one of the best jerseys in the league, especially their throwback jersey, which was like the blue with the yellow. Great. I'm wearing right now, you guys can't see this, but Corey can't see this either, but the shirt I'm wearing right now is the Super Bowl 43 polo, and it's got the logo of the blue and yellow 
that they wore during that Super Bowl. And uh, those jerseys are great. That's what they should have done. But instead, they come out with some of the most disgusting, puke-inducing pieces of garbage I've ever seen in my life. I don't understand how they said this process like was a two-year process coming up with this where there wasn't one person in a room that was like guys maybe let's not do that like for example they decided hey let's be different guys let's be different and instead of making our road uniforms white let's make them a weird ash off-white tan that is supposed to represent the beaches in california they call it bone it looks stupid it's like it's I hate it so much. And just like they're the home jerseys, the blue ones, they have a stupid gradient to the numbers. It just looks like like a a middle school student designed them. It was like that's the colors you that's the jerseys you're gonna wear for your big open year at your new stadium with with where no fans are gonna be able to watch them. It's like, come on, man. Like it just annoys the crap out of me. Because I'm a big uniform guy too. I'm a big like, I love that kind of stuff and, like, the history of them, but God damn it, they messed up. It makes me so mad. So I'm trying to find them right now. I'm only seeing their Color Rush ones, which I, I hate any Color Rush jerseys. Sorry, but no one ever looks good in the Color Rush jerseys. Most of the time, people end up looking like a, a push pop. Um, for those of you that remember the, like, orange push pops. Um, uh-huh. So I... I never like those, so I, I can't ever approve of color, um, the color rush ones. But um, I will take your word for it because the the logo they came up with was god awful. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the I will send you the them right now. I'm sending you a link to the bunch of pictures of these uniforms, and uh, and you'll go, oh god, those are terrible. Yeah, take a look at that. So, yeah, I don't. I don't understand it. And people will just like, people were, while you look that up, I'll keep talking here. Um, people were crushing these because they were making fun of them because they were like, are those uniforms for Ikea? I look, they look like official uniforms for a team sponsored by Ikea. They do look like Ikea. I can see that. And then another one of the jokes was um, they look like Best Buy employees. <laughs> I can see that too. To be honest with you, the, the white, jerseys with the blue on them um no joke so my high school's colors were um blue and gold and our uh, women's soccer jerseys look just like the white ones. really the but they weren't the weird color though right they weren't the weird color the the white with the with a really really bright like in your face blue the white ones Subtract no, yeah, see, that's the thing. They're not, they're not even white. That's the thing. What are they? They look white, but they're, in some of these pictures, they look white, but they're not. I promise you, they're not white. And that's some highlighter yellow. They're called, yeah, they're called, uh, they're called bone. Bone, oh. It's like the whole uh, wedding dress thing. Oh, I don't want a white dress. I want an ivory or an eggshell colored dress. That's, that's what it's like. That's what they try to do. They're like, we don't want to do white like everyone else. We want to do bone. Because we want it to look like we are crushing people's bones. I don't know. 
Yeah, um, I'm not too thrilled with them. I like the fading on the numbers. Does that count for something? Yeah, yeah, you, you like them, I don't, but. The, the ombre fading is, is kind of cute from a female perspective. Um, maybe the maybe that's who they were going after with these. You were going after the the female fans, cause yeah, I'm not I'm not digging them one bit. The helmets are cool though. The helmets are the only thing cool about them. Well, that's what I mean. Like the the, the ombre numbers were the only thing that I complimented. I like the ombre numbers. They're kind of cool. <laughs> but but I digress. Um, moving on from from. Uniforms. The other thing that uh, the internet was up in arms about over the past couple of days was that the Coyotes have announced that they are officially moving on from President and CEO Aaron Cohen. He was hired in 2015 by Andrew Barraway as the Chief Operating Officer and uh, Chief Legal Officer, and then he was announced that he was President and CEO in 2017. Um, also under Barraway and now that um, there has been new ownership for a little under a year now, they have decided that they are going to part ways with Aaron Cohen and that the search for his replacement is underway. Yeah, I think it, for most people it was a little bit of a shock that they made the change. It kind of came, came out of nowhere, but when you kind of dive into the details of it, um, probably should have seen it coming. It, essentially, it comes down to um, Aaron Cohen wasn't hired by Alex Marullo. And Alex Marullo, I think, you know, he just wanted to bring in some, like, his guy, basically, and hire the people that he thinks are the best fit for the job. And he didn't want to make a move right away because he was, Marulo was taking a lay of the land kind of and trying to figure things out. And then now, when did he complete the purchase? Back in July of last year. So it's been going on almost a year now and he thought it was the right time to make a move. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very unfortunate. Like I understand the fact that, you know, that it was done because of the fact that this isn't anything new. People often come in and want to um, change things up. I mean, Rilu came out and said really nice things. He said, I would like to thank Aaron for his great work before and through my purchase of the team and for his leadership over the past year, including these very challenging times. Um, and Cohen had said, I would like to thank Mr. Morello for allowing me the opportunity to lead this incredible franchise through this transition from his acquisition. And I wish him and the team the best and will continue to root for the Coyotes. So it was all very amicable online. Um, they had said, the Coyotes had said in a release that after a successful transition, both parties agreed that the timing of Cohen's departure would be best at this juncture. Um, I mean, it's, Probably just the fact that there's a lull right now, so it was the time to do it. But yeah, it, it happens a lot in the fact that they, you have someone come in who is new and is, in, and is in control and is able to make those changes. So they want to bring in people that um, are more 
up to speed on what they want and what direction they want the team to go in and all of that. It's not anything new. It is very unfortunate, though, because of the fact that Aaron Cohen did great things for this team. Um, since he's over the five years that he's been with the Coyotes, he's done amazing things. And I'm, and over the um, well under three years that he's been president and CEO, uh, he's done great things. So, you know, like he really has helped with the community part of it. He made sure that all employees must do 15 hours of community service. He hired Lindsay Fry as a special advisor. Um, she works with the hockey development and women's um, development in hockey here in Arizona. And then um, per 2019 figures um, from USA Hockey, Arizona is um, second among US, US NHL markets in the total growth over the past five years. First for the total percentage of growth for women and um, I don't have up in front of me what it was for eight and under, and it was in the first for in the first for total eight and under hockey participation over the past five years. So I mean, ever since he's been around the team, things have been going really well. Um, so it is really unfortunate that he is um, not going to be with the team any longer. But we appreciate all that he has done since he has been there. Yeah, and you just look at the replies, he, you know, saying thank you to the Coyotes community and Coyotes fans for the past five years. And you just look at the replies and and um, everybody's, you know, saying the same thing, which is thank you for everything. Um, and Coyotes fans seem to really like him. He was in the community on a consistent basis. And most recently, talked about it on last week's show, Coyotes did a, a food bank drive up at the arena recently. and. He was out there handing out food to people who needed it. And um, it just, just a moment ago where he was instrumental in bringing the PHWPA a couple months back, which I got a chance to go to and was great. Um, nothing less. But, you know, the thing that's crazy is that is uh, – Cohen was what the third CEO in the last seven years between uh, Anthony LeBlanc, Steve Patterson, who was here for all of a year. How quickly we forget he was the, the CEO. And uh, and then Aaron Cohen. So we'll see what, the, what this new person brings in. I would just like to point out that I would love if the Coyotes hired a, a female president and CEO. Just throw that out there. I think that would be incredible because there isn't very many of them in the NHL, if any, off the top of my head. I can't think of any. So uh, maybe, yeah. So that, that's my, my plea to, to Kyrie's ownership is take a long, hard look at, at increasing the diversity of who you hire. That would be really interesting. That would be really cool. I mean, it would increase the – uh, growth of everything because of the fact that you know Aaron Cohen has done so many great things when it comes to um, women's development in hockey and as you were saying having I always forget the what, what is it again what's the it's a PWHA was that what it was yeah the PHWPA yeah 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 um, I always mess up with that um, acronym there but um, 
then the fact that he's brought all of that, it's, he has broke down a lot of barriers and has brought up a lot of things that have been missing over the years. And so if that was to be continued with a, with a female president, that would be pretty cool. Um, I would, I'd be in, in support of that as well. Yeah, I, we'll see. I don't know. I'm assuming they have somebody in mind because obviously they don't want to go too long without somebody to replace them. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, thank you, Aaron Cohen, for everything that you did. You uh, did some great stuff for uh, for the Coyotes. Yes, thank you to Aaron Cohen for everything that you've done here because the growth in of youth hockey in Arizona, I have always said, is one of the biggest things that you can give to uh, the Coyote success here in the Valley because as soon as you create fans when they're young and you get them involved in the sport, um, Arizona will start to cease to exist as a place that is, you know, not known for hockey. Slowly, slowly becoming that way, and it's great to see. Um, I, I do remember, though, as we were talking about whether who the next person is, I do remember saying here reading something that someone had said that he had um, he wanted to bring in one of his one of his guys. I don't know if someone said that out of like in general sense, like they just use the word guy as a general sense. They don't really know, or if they do have an idea of who it is, and and guy would assume male, but um, we'll have to see. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, before we before we move on here, we have a couple other things to touch on, including Gary Bettman and um, postulating when we'd feel comfortable about returning to uh, a sporting event. How about we tell you about Manscaped? Manscaped.com, Corey. People can get 20% off and free shipping when they use the promo code THPN to get themselves a lawnmower 3.0, or as we call it here on our show, we call it the man meat mower. Go to manscaped.com, get yourself the extravagant package that includes not in, not in the razor itself. It also includes the uh, ball deodorant and the, uh, the ball cleanser. Uh, your, uh, your balls will thank you, Sporty Nation. Yeah, I mean, he said it great there in the fact that get the extravagant package because you need to get the extravagant package for your package. <laughs> that way your package can be extravagant because it deserves to be. Your package has been through a lot with you. It's probably gone through a lot of pain, um, you know, whether it was intentional or not. Um, but I, I just feel like men are getting hit in the balls all the time. So treat it to something nice for once and get it nice and pampered and shaved and just allow everything down under to be nice and soft and smooth. You will enjoy it. Your lady friends will enjoy it. There is no way to lose. Manscaped.com. I love it. I love my razor. It was terrific. No nicks. Nothing. It was great. Yeah, I have heard that you, that like different guys of the network have literally tried to do everything they can to nick themselves and they haven't nicked themselves. Um, my boyfriend has one, has never nicked himself either. So, um, 
even if you are completely inept at shaving yourself, you will still be able to do it. <laughs> completely inept at shaving yourself. Oof. I mean, some people, I don't know, they maybe you've got like a little bit of a shake and you can't, you're afraid you're gonna nick yourself. This is the solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to um, some more news of the NHL week, which was the latest statements from Gary Bettman, who for the most part has been pretty tight-lipped about a return for the NHL. Um, let the supporting nation know what are Gary Bettman's – Bettman's? Jesus. Gary Bettman's latest comments. Well, he says that in a, in during a question answer period as part of a virtual town hall town hall, I almost went through an, a random accent. I threw a random accent in there. Town hall on Tuesday, um, he told members of the San Jose Sharks Business Alliance that shutting down the 2019-2020 campaign is not going to be something that he is even contemplating. Not even contemplating, not handing it out. So like there is been no inkling according to him in his brain of not giving someone that trophy this year, which is very, is very upfront because he hasn't been very upfront recently on what his stances are. Um, so Batman had also said, I believe that if the right time comes and the right circumstances based on all of the options that we are considering and our ability to execute them, we, we will get this season done. I don't want to sound Pollyanna, but canceling is too easy of a solution. That means you stop working hard to do all the things that we're doing. And I ultimately believe that there will be an opportunity. States are reopening, cities are reopening, and if we do the right things, I think we'll be able to finish the season. We would like to bring a conclusion to the season. It's not fair. It's got to have integrity, and if we have to do it over the summer on some modified basis, then we'll do it on that basis. And um, there's 189 games that still remain on the docket, and so it's whether they're going to do that or jump straight into an altered playoff situation that still hasn't really come out. I mean, they've been throwing around um, different playoff situations and saying that, yeah, they're just going to scrap the rest of the season. I would assume that's what they're going to do, but um, it's going to be complicated to say the least. I, I, I will admit I was always kind of thinking that they were going to try and figure out a way for it to work anyways, because of the fact that it's a business and the whole point of the business is you go into a season to win the Stanley Cup and um, the NHL loses out a lot on not naming a Stanley Cup winner. It makes for great trivia um, years down the road. But um, like when I got asked um, who won the world series the year that I was born, I was born in 94. It was a trick question. No one. So it would have been one of those situations, but it doesn't benefit the NHL or the teams. So they, I can see why Batman's doing this. My whole thing is you, whatever you do, you have to have the players buy into it and that's going to be its own tricky situation. 
Yeah, you know, I <laughs> here's the thing about all this, and you can say this about all the sports too, which is like I don't think any of these commissioners have any clue <laughs> about this. Like, they, none of them have any clue if their sport's going to happen or when they're going to happen. They are just kind of BSing everybody for for the interim, and because the fact is everybody's acting like they know everything about what's happening right now when they don't. And that extends to Gary Bettman, to Commissioner Goodell, to Adam Silver, and to Rob Manfred. Like, it's just everything's in limbo right now. So you can plan all you want, but those plans are probably bound to be dashed by this virus. Um, And so, like – I think I've been saying this from the beginning, which is I don't think the NBA or the NHL is coming back this season. Um, I, I, cause like even just, just think about this for a second. Usually your league year is, it goes to, it's usually starts on July 1st. Right. And that's when your free agency starts. Right. So if you have to extend the season, what does that mean for the players with expiring contracts? What does that mean for, you know, free agency? What does that mean for the draft? Right? It's even if the season doesn't continue, what does that mean for the draft? Yeah, exactly. And there were rumors that that was going to come up, go off in early June. I think that has since been put on the back burner for now. Um, those discussions. So, like, it's just everything is in limbo right now. Uh, I actually have a bet with a couple guys from the rest of the podcast network about whether or not the Stanley Cup is going to get awarded. And I bet that I would shotgun a beer and donate some money to charity if the Stanley Cup does indeed get awarded this year. So, you know, do I believe Gary Bettman? I believe him. I, I, I believe him in the sense that he's going to do everything in his power to – finish the season because they have so many sponsors that they have to satisfy. They have TV contracts that are worth millions and millions of dollars that have to be satisfied. They have all these sponsors money tied in with all this can, you know, that say, Hey, you have to have this for a certain amount of games. It's crazy. It's, it's going to take a while for all of these professional sports to recover from this because it's completely unprecedented. You know, it's crazy. And that's what I was going to throw into what you're saying um, about all of the people that they have to satisfy. When he said this, he said this in a virtual town hall to members of the San Jose Sharks Business Alliance. Um, so that that also you have to take into account, like you were saying, in the fact that, you know, he was saying this to people who would benefit the most from the season continuing on. That's yeah. That's the thing. It's I. I think they're getting obviously all of these leagues are getting pressure from the outside, from the sponsors to continue. Because um, like I was reading something about TV contracts, and that's especially in Major League Baseball. Because I think Major League Baseball, more so than any other sport, is very highly dependent on those local TV contracts. For example, the Diamondbacks TV contract with Fox Sports Arizona, I believe, is worth a billion dollars over the course of like. I don't know, 10 or 15 years or something like that. And that's how these teams make a lot of their money through TV contracts. And when you don't have any games to show on those local TV, that money dries up. 
Yeah, and that is, that applies to a lot of things. We um, we had seen over what was it? It was a few days ago. Um, I don't know. All these days are trying to blur together. When uh, Juicy had announced that you know everything was going to basically start opening up here and that um, major league sports will be coming back soon and such, that um, all these people from ESPN and everything just started walking around saying, you know, um, oh, I guess we're all coming to Arizona then um, and like praising Arizona and all this stuff. To which I, I have to say, do you know how this works? You work in sports. Um, that's not how it works. Just because a governor has allowed you to have professional sports in Arizona uh, doesn't mean that uh, they're going to do it because you don't run the league. Um, that was kind of, I needed to kind of point that out. But even with that, there's been players that say, like in the NHL, have said that they don't want to be all in one place playing games. They don't want to be away from their family that long. You have to understand that no matter what it comes to with these contracts, with all these things, you have a bunch of human beings that play this sport. You have a bunch of people who are also afraid of getting sick, afraid for their families, afraid for to be away from their families for that long. And why would they want to be stuck in one state or a couple states um, playing a bunch of games when there's bi there's bigger things going on essentially and it's it sucks for everyone who's a fan of the sport and it sucks for all the money that's lost but in the end of it all like these are people and it's not just I know they look like little robots on your screen but there's so much more than that yeah, exactly. And uh, to kind of continue the, the conversation about the TV deals, um, this is um, some reporting from Awful Announcing, and I'm going to read this tweet thread here. My understanding on why the NHL is still considering completion of the regular season, this is as, as of May 1st, so this is two weeks ago, but just gives you some idea. Um, it's roughly 85% complete, and time will be at the essence of any restart. There are 12 U.S.-based clubs that have Fox regional TV deals, and those deals stipulate that regular season games must be complete, completed. Failure to do so comes with a severe penalty. The deals roll over to next season at no cost to Fox, so those teams would face no regional TV revenue, which would in turn hurt the hockey-related revenue for the whole league. Um, it's unclear whether the league is willing to negotiate with Fox on behalf of the clubs or will simply surrender to those terms and prioritize finishing the regular season. And Arizona is one of the teams that has obviously a deal with Fox Sports Arizona. Oh yeah, no, they get a, a lot of Fox Sports Arizona. You guys wouldn't believe, but they shell out a lot of money to broadcast all those games. And I know in baseball, they shell out a lot of money for those seasons. So I, I can see from a money and contract standpoint, that's going to be a large driving force for these teams. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I just have never been one of those people that is pulled into something by money. I, and I kind of, 
don't appreciate it when that's the direction things go in, but I know that's um, that's how the world works, and especially in um, in this world in particular, everyone um, kind of just goes wherever the money is, but it doesn't mean I necessarily agree with it. Yeah, and you have to imagine you're running out of time to make a decision on this because eventually like you're just going to get backed up to the point of your new season starts in, with training camps in early September. So it's very, very in flux. I, I'm curious when the drop dead date is for the NHL. Like, uh, like I'm assuming in their heads they're going, if we don't have a decision by this date, we're done. Uh, I'm assuming it's the same way for the NBA too. So, but I think the latest on the NBA was that they weren't going to make a decision for another two to three weeks, which is wacky. Um, but yeah, so this is probably the biggest, I mean, we'll keep an eye on this here uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, but we wanted to wrap, wrap the show talking about something that was, has been fascinating me for the last little bit, especially with the opening of Arizona and Florida with governors Ducey and, and the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, they were essentially saying, we're open for business, for sports, come play here. Um, and it, it brought up the idea of, okay, well, it's probably going to be without fans, at least for the, the interim. But when these leagues allow fans to come back into the stadium, what would it take for you to be comfortable going back to games? It would take a whole hell of a lot for me to be comfortable going back to games. And I know there's going to be people that um, are going to hate that I say that and the fact that they're, you know, they're the ones that as soon as restaurants were open where they, their butts were straight in those seats right away. Um, for me, it's going to be a little bit difficult because in the end, it's not, I don't know, for me, it's not just about me. It's the safety of other people around me. And, um, it it would have to be that I would know that like I would be safe but th that you know if I end up like say like having COVID I'm not sitting by an older fan who is more at risk than I am and I wouldn't be putting them at risk um that would be my biggest fear honestly um so it would take a lot it would have to take my sense of security and the fact that um I wouldn't be doing any harm to others. Yeah, that's like the way, best way I could answer is basically like, I will know it's safe to return when I know it's safe to return, if that makes any sense. Like, I'll just have the feeling that, okay, I can go back and I can feel safe and everybody else can feel safe. Um, I think we, we mentioned it. I think I was talking, you know, mentioned to you before is like eventually these places are going to have to come back and they'll probably have to do it with a very, very reduced capacity because you're going to have to sit everybody six feet apart and give everybody a mask when they enter the stadium. Um, and that's like, that, that's the, at the, the very least you have to do. And in order to, to get people back. But yeah, I say like, I just watch from home. Like I don't go to that many sporting events to begin with. You know? Like I only go to games that I'm working, usually. Coyote games that I'm working. Or 
sometimes I'll get tickets like Diamondbacks tickets from my work that I'll, I'll go once in a while. But like I don't go to like somebody asked a question last earlier this week one of my friends and she was like when they come back which will you go to first which are you more excited to go to concerts or sporting events and I said concerts well I think there's a little bit of a difference too if you're talking about concerts when it comes to like uh like outdoor festivals that aren't particularly like EDM type festivals you know like ones that aren't like packed not like or you know, even more normalized popular ones of like so like Coachella or Stagecoach or um, Country Thunder or any of those like like in those senses like those are pretty packed like can't really get away from it but if you go to some of the festivals that are more spread out spread out wise you can still kind of space yourself from people um, when you are in say an arena for like a concert or an event um no matter what even if your seats are spaced apart when you are walking around you would have to like only allow so many people to walk around the concourse at a time because there's no way you can walk around as many of you have gone to Coyotes games you, you know you can't walk around that concourse during any intermission without having 20 people run into you so that's that would be the difficulty there but i think the perk of festivals if it was where you know you would have more space however i would hate to be one of those people that work in that and have to be um enforcing that oh yeah yeah for sure like it's it's going to take a while to figure out what it should be the right procedures, you know? And, uh, and I don't think we're going to get any fans anywhere until the new year. And we'll be lucky to do it then because, you know, some um, experts, infectious disease experts are saying that it's likely there is a resurgence of COVID and come the fall. And, you think about that and you go, oh boy, this is this is a while off from going away away until there is a vaccine, which is probably still a year away. And even if a vaccine becomes available, it's going to be tough to distribute that to the entire eight, however many, was it eight billion people in the world now? And trying to figure out who gets it first. Um, where does yeah, they it already talked about a shortage of needles today when I was watching CNN. So that's, that's encouraging as well. Yeah. And so it's not like, it's going to take until 2021 for this to like really start getting people back. And so like, I think at the end of the day for me, it's essentially seeing the amount of cases go so far down to almost zero basically like if the cases go down to zero then i'd feel comfortable going to places where a lot of people are and um i don't know how far away off we are with that um and then at some point it kind of becomes like you know it's kind of you can almost kind of 
I don't want to do it exactly, but compared to the flu in a way where, um, like we're still out and about with the flu. Um, granted, there are two completely different two completely different viruses, but um, yeah. So like, I think at the end of the day, that's to me. I just want to see well, the cases and deaths reduced to almost zero. Well, and that's the kind of what they're saying is that like you know it's going to take so long to get a vaccine, and the fact that what what we have to do is bring the cases down, so that way there's better tracking and better isolation, so that when people are sick, they you know, it's like during Ebola, like people were quarantined in a place by themselves, didn't spread very much because of the fact that they didn't have contact with other people. And that's why, so to be able to isolate the people that are ill, so that way the mass public can go about doing their regular business because of the fact that you can't stop a country in, or world from doing living its life for you know a year and a half so um that is the whole thing that's going to come down to is being able to track and isolate people who do come down with it yeah uh yeah if you're interested in that by the way there's it's called contact tracing that's what that's called um and again i was listening to experts like they're saying that's one of the key things to trying to get this thing all solved is basically the government should be hiring somewhere close to about 100 to 150,000 people nationwide to trace COVID patients, figure out who they talked to, where they've been, et cetera, et cetera. And they're just not doing it. I think I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's not even anywhere near the capacity um, right now. But anyway, the re part of the reason why I bring this whole conversation up is because 538.com did a a survey of people and they found that um uh 76 percent of americans and 65 percent of fans of the major sports said they would not be likely to attend a game in person right now even if it were allowed so we're not alone yeah, and that's the thing is until there is a confidence in going to those games, um, teams aren't going to be making money on ticket sales and um, food sales and all of that anytime soon. So um, that confidence for anything, whether it's sports or just in general, like going to restaurants, going to stores and stuff like that, um, consumer confidence is a big part of it. So um, you are 100% right in the fact that until everyone is sure that they can safely go to these games, they won't be. Yeah, it's for, yeah, we know, we'll wrap this up here in a moment, but like it's, we know for sure that it's gonna be a dra very drastically different fan experience than it was before. Like we're all gonna be wearing masks, right? We're all gonna be, very hopefully very distant at most of these places like i think it was the miami dolphins who put out kind of their plan and essentially they were like um there is going to be no lines at concession stands um you order from your phone and you'll get a notification when your your food etc your beer whatever is ready to come pick up so essentially that? like the only yeah 
Can I keep that for after this COVID stuff's over? I hate waiting in line. It's one of my pet peeves. Can yeah, you I know always who, do that? Yeah, the, you know who does that? The coyotes do that. What? Since when? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the, you the last time you went to a game, they like Christian Keogh was like, oh, you can order a beer from your phone. You can order food too. Oh my gosh. How did I never yeah. know this? Hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of the major uh, pro sports teams are, are implementing that more recently. But yeah, so there you go. The more you know. Yeah, mad respect. I enjoy that. I hate lines. <laughs> okay, before we go, can I read you a headline? Yes. This is hilarious. I just saw this while we were recording. Um, couples that are comfortable talking about poop are the happiest couples. <laughs> Couples that are comfortable about talking about poop are the happiest couples. I think that just shows a, a comfort level that if you're able to talk about your poop, then you're pretty secure in your relationship. Exactly. That's pretty much the entire point of the article. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I think it has nothing to do with poop itself. I think it has everything to do with the fact that that's, that's how comfortable you are. Because, like, you know, there's, like, the whole cutesy stage where, like, no one does anything disgusting around the other person and then it by that point you you've been together for a while you're comfortable with each other i think that's what it is it's a level of comfort and trust in the fact that you talking about it i guess won't scare the other person away i would say yeah yeah i would agree with you maybe we should turn our podcast into going off of everything we've said in this show, which is we're probably not going to get hockey anytime soon. We might as well just turn this podcast into a, a podcast where we give relationship advice to people. Have, have people call in with their, their crazy stories. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, like you, you'd be very good at that because you've been in a relationship for a long time. And then I could like provide the analysis coming from the, uh, the uh, single guy uh, perspective. You can give the bachelor perspective. Oh gosh! And yes. then we can do a we can do a bachelor with Richie, and you can give away virtual roses. <laughs> so ready for it. This is what quarantine has been needing. I almost spit my Tiger King when we have bachelor Scott or bachelor, bachelor Richie. Exactly. Oh, that's this week. That's this week's hashtag. Hashtag last week. Our hashtag was hashtag ripped Richie. Uh, hockey. You, you saw hockey replied to us and said um, he liked ripped dick better than ripped Richie. Which, you know, power to him. I mean, he did get mad that like I said, that was only one vote. Um, you know, we can't show any bias. We're bigger than that. But um, I, I do have to say, when it comes to the whole ripped dick thing, I just thought a lot of men wouldn't appreciate it because it comes off like you damaged your dick, you know? So I, I thought I was trying to be sensitive there, but I guess not. <laughs> so yeah, this week's hashtag is hashtag Bachelor Richie, Bachelor Richie. Yep, and stay tuned for who's going to get the roses. If you want to be on Bachelor Richie, let us know. Yep, you can totally do it at 
Corey underscore Richie Show on Twitter, at Corey Richie Show on the Instagram. Uh, before we go, we make sure we have to mention the, the Cool Hockey giveaway, um, which is you go to coolhockey.com slash THPN, and you enter the promo code THPN, and you get 30% off of your purchase of a jersey. So, like, you could, you could get a brand-new Coyotes jersey for about 170 bucks, which is, like, $75 off, which is really good. Uh, and then once you buy it, you find us on Twitter, and you reply to the tweet and let, them, let everybody know that you purchased the jersey. And then at the end of May, you could possibly win a $175 gift card to Kohai. Yes, that sounds amazing. I, I really enjoy this one. So go ahead, go and do it. Get yourself something nice. Exactly. Any last words before we go? Stay healthy, everyone. Um, everyone always says stay safe, and I feel like that's a little bit weird. Um, so I'm going to say stay healthy and uh, stay sporty. All right. Until Monday, everybody. Next Monday. Good night. And good hockey.